0: grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So this week in history, 1957, location was Kazakhstan in former Soviet Union. Uh, The event was the launch of Sputnik, 1957. Much to the surprise of the rest of the world, um, Sputnik left this um, atmosphere. Um, the idea of space travel now was an old thing. I mean, we've had that around almost as long as we've had civilizations. People have dreamed about it, written about it, made silent movies about it. In the 1930s, there was a comic strip named uh, called Buck Rogers. And if you look back at those Buck Rogers, the suits that they wore were remarkably similar to the ones that uh, we used when we walked on the moon. Um, and many civilizations thought about, dreamed about, wrote about us walking on the moon, visiting the moon one day. Um, And some of those predictions became uh, remarkably close, again, to what actually happened. Now, there's a science fiction writer named um, Isaac Asimov. Um, He made a rather astute observation about all the predictions that happened about the moon launch and space travel and things like that. And he said, you know, um, no one ever predicted the most significant part of us going to the moon. He said the most significant part of us going to the moon was that it was televised, said that no one ever imagined that everyone around the world would be watching something like this happen on a little box. So my point is here is that, um, at least for the moment, that ordinary people, ordinary men, we're not very good at predicting the future. Not like that. Maybe we think about the suit that people would wear, we actually think about the event, but we don't think about the details and the significant events that might happen around that. Now completely on the other hand, um, Jesus predicts things with incredible accuracy, well, and it's not really fair because he already knows how things are going to play out. He knows a future, so i got to say that. But but on that line, um, and we've been talking about spiritual gifts for the last several weeks now. We've had, I've had several conversations with many of you, and thank you for bringing your questions and comments and um, just those conversations. And I've heard about other conversations that you all have been having uh, with each other re- in regards to that. And I think it was last week, I get weeks muddled up, I was just talking to Travis and I couldn't remember one week from another what I talked about one week or another, but... I think it was last week I said, if this was a college course, this would be a 300-level or a 400-level course. And I thought, you know, maybe it's time we take a step back and we do the introductory course um, to the Holy Spirit. Now, we usually do this maybe on Pentecost Sunday or Trinity Sunday, but, uh, you know, I don't think we can do that often enough. Talk about who the Holy Spirit is and and how he works in our lives and the things that go along with that. Because I think as Lutherans, and I'm not trying to downplay us here, but I think as Lutherans, uh, we kind of miss the Holy Spirit. Um, We get the God the Father part, you know, if you talk about the Trinity, we get God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, the provider, we get that. Uh, We get God the Son, you know, Jesus, the Messiah, our Savior, the one that came and died on the cross and then rose again in three, we get that. But I think we fall short about um, where the Holy Spirit works in our everyday life. Um, I think on the other side of that, I think some different denominations put a little bit too much emphasis on the Holy Spirit, and they put all these um, prerequisites, these, um, these uh, things that you have to do in your life in order to be able to claim um, that the Holy Spirit is actually um, in, in your life and in and around you. Because I want you to think about it like this, if I grabbed you before the service and said, hey, we're having a guest speaker this morning, and I'd really like you to introduce that guest speaker. And you'd think, well, okay, I, you, know, I, you must need my help, I'm going to handle that. And i say, the guest speaker now is the Holy Spirit. So now I want you to think about how would you introduce the Holy Spirit? Because when we, when we introduce a guest speaker, um, we talk about that person's background, uh, we talk about where they're from, we talk about their accomplishments, we talk about their funny little quirks, um, their habits, fun facts, little-known facts. If it happened to be a good friend of you, maybe you would tell an embarrassing story. Um, and maybe if that's a good friend of yours, you picked him up from the airport last night and you brought him in, they stayed at your house last night. So again, I want you to think about, and I'm not trying to be sacrilegious here, but I want you to think about this. Uh, if, could you fill in any of those blanks about the Holy Spirit? If I said, I need you to introduce this guest speaker, the Holy Spirit, what would you say and how would you, how would you frame that? Because again, as Lutherans, I think, um, you know, or attending a Lutheran church maybe now or the most of your life, we, we fall short of understanding who the Holy Spirit is. And like I said, some of the other denominations, you know, those qualifications, requirements to prove that He's in your life, you know, those, that goes a little too far the other way. We've got to meet somewhere in the middle. So this morning I want to give us um, a definition, a description, a working uh, definition of the Holy Spirit. I want us to have that this morning. Um, so maybe we start off with some things like this, that uh, the third person of, of the Trinity, Right, Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Right? Okay. So, again, I think we have a good grasp on God the Creator and and God the Son, um, the Christ, and we say that they are co-equal. You know, when we baptize, we have a baptism here at the second service. We baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now has been around since the beginning of creation. Again, we kind of put him on the back burner. We don't really bring him into our lives the way we should. We talked about gifts of the Spirit, but we didn't talk about the Giver of those gifts. Holy Spirit's been around since creation. I want you to see it in Genesis 1, verse 2, right at the beginning. Earth was formless and void, and the darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit, there we go, the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Key word being there, the Spirit of God moving over the surface of the waters. And he shows up in the Old Testament in many places. I'm going to stick with Job for a couple of things here, because I like to be consistent with the books that we're reading, the authors that we're talking about, so we're not jumping all over the place. But look at Job here. Job says this, His Spirit... Made the, God, of course, his spirit made the heavens beautiful, and his power pierced the, gilding, the gliding serpent. So that should definitely be part of our guest speaker introduction, right? Someone who's been around since the beginning of creation. Someone who made the heavens beautiful, right? That, those are working parts of the, of the introduction that we're going to give to the Holy Spirit. Now, we can see, again, from the verses, just those couple verses, that the Holy Spirit has been around since the beginning of creation. Well, present in the Old Testament, present in the New Testament as well. And I said I want to stick with Job. I'm going to go to verse 33, or chapter 33, verse 4. It says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Man, again, just pure poetry going here, just dripping off of his tongue. You remember the creation story, the, the account in Genesis. That God formed Adam out of the dust. I've talked about that a lot because that's one of my favorite parts about who we are, how God formed Adam out of the dust and then breathed the breath of life into him. Look at that, Genesis 2, 7. The Lord God formed man from the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. A being. That's the breath of life. That's the pneuma. That is the Holy Spirit breathing into our bodies. So that's the Old Testament And again, sometimes if we actually have a grasp on on the Holy Spirit, um, both being present in the Old Testament and the New Testament, I'm going to talk about the Old Testament a little bit more in a minute here, but we should surely understand that the the Holy Spirit is present in the New Testament. Um, And again, this is Jesus, again, correctly predicting the future. Again, he cheated a little bit, but that's okay, we'll allow that. So fast forward now to um, after Easter. So Jesus has died on the cross. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And he's been walking along and among his disciples. Not the way they used to walk around. He's making appearances now. But they're starting to fully grasp the fact that he is alive. That he, he's eating food. He's with them. He, they can touch him. They can feel him. They, they're grasping the fact that this actually happened. The unbelievable. And don't, you know, don't be too hard on those guys because this would be really hard for us and our little human pea brains to actually grasp the fact that Jesus came back from the dead. But they got it. Okay, so now they're still down the wrong track, though, you know. Um, the logical question to ask the Messiah, you know, the, the creator of the universe, is, you know, they asked him, are, is it now that you're going to wipe out the Romans and you're going to set up your throne here and we can sit in your throne room and be on your left and your right and we can, you know, judge all these heathens that are, that are walking around here? Jesus very patiently, very quietly answered them and he said, the military answered that that's on a need-to-know basis and, and you don't need to know right now, but... But then Jesus reveals the main point. He's been telling the disciples since before he died that he's going to be leaving. He's going to be leaving the earth and he's going to go back and ascend back into heaven from where he left. And then he says this in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Whenever we come across verses like this, or this verse in particular, I like to point out that the Greek word here for power is the Greek word dunamis. You've probably heard me talk about this before. This is where we get our, um, our word for dynamite, that explosive power, that power that, that cannot be contained. Right? The Greek definition, though, goes a little bit further beyond that. It's not that kind of power. It's, um, the Greek definition, Thayer's definition says that it's inherent power. Power Residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Um, And then it actually says miracle kind of power, right? Supernatural kind of power. And my favorite is this this is straight out of the dictionary power and resources arising from numbers. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, we talk about everybody working together, that synergy, right, going together, that's when we're talking about the real power that the Holy Spirit is giving to us. So now as we continue to talk this morning, our our discussion um, on the aspects of the Holy Spirit, um, one thing we have to hold on to is that we're talking about God in every aspect. When we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about God in every aspect. So, I feel like I should point out at this moment that, um, you know, I'm not 100% sure if we're on a series, beginning of a series here, if this is a one off, I'll talk about that later. But I want to unpack some more things um, to understand about God, the Holy Spirit, and think about. Um, think about that word power that, that Jesus said, that's what's going to happen. And again, Jesus um, doesn't predict the future so much as he tells us the future. He tells us what's going to happen. He doesn't say this might happen. He says this is what's going to happen, and this is why it's going to happen. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so that you have that power inside of you, that inherent power, that power that resides in us by, our, uh, by the virtue of our nature, that, that power in numbers. So as we unpack this and we go down the road a little bit with this, I want, the first thing I want you to remember is, A, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit resides inside of you. Paul said it best in First Corinthians 3.16. He said, or do you not know that you are, look at this, the temple of God. This is um, New King James, by the way, that we give a lot of credibility to for translation. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now, remember, in Old Testament times, that wasn't the case. So Paul is telling people this, that it's different now. It's different now. This is right at the beginning. This is not, he's not telling us so much right now as he's telling these people. He's reminding them of what actually happened, the things that they were experiencing, the things that they were a part of. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came on a specific person at a specific time for a specific purpose. That's how we look at it. Temporary thing to accomplish God's purpose. But that's only... Part of it. That's the Holy Spirit power that we look at right now. But the Holy Spirit was in everybody. Um, Let me be quick to point out that the breath of God that that Job was talking about, that Spirit, was still part of their DNA, same as it's part of our DNA right now. Coursing through their veins, so to speak. Otherwise, how could David say in Psalm 51, verses 10? Verse 10, he says, "Uh, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And then verse 11 is the key. Cast me not away from your presence. And what? Take not your Holy Spirit from me. How can we take something that we don't already have? So the Holy Spirit is there in that breath of life. The power of the Holy Spirit now comes in the New Testament. The power of the Holy Spirit was in the Old Testament for a specific time, purpose, place, person for a temporary moment. But now it's part of who we are by our nature, by God's nature. So that's the difference between now and the Old Testament. The difference between now and the Old Testament is Jesus. Is Jesus in the cross saying, now that I'm going, I'm going to leave part of myself with you. Jesus dying on that cross um, for us, for our sins, rising on that third day, to you know, coming back to life. Again, the disciples were part of that, uh, witnessing that. And then telling the disciples that he was going to leave them. He was going to leave them and, and ascend back to heaven from where he had originally descended. So that's the story there. That's what's going on. And then Jesus says, this is going to be to your advantage. And the disciples said, "You know, I'm leaving and that's going to be to your advantage. And the disciples were like, say what? That doesn't make any sense at all. So Jesus gave back the Holy Spirit. And that's the second thing I want you to understand. That the Holy Spirit is our helper. Okay, John 16, 7 says it like this. This is Jesus talking. I tell you the truth. There's so much going on here. Um, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We could do a series on this verse right here. I'm going to do some stuff real quick here. Um, There's lots of room to take notes today, so maybe take a little bit. Um, The word advantage, first of all. I've said it a thousand times. It's almost impossible to, to translate one language to another and get every nuance of the word going back and forth. I mean, you, like I said before, you can't translate Mary had a little lamb without going to an awful lot of extent to get that whole idea, that whole concept going on. This word advantage. Okay, we get that, um, that it's going to you know, be favorable for us, right? But it's something, um, it, it's something more than just beneficial. There's a Greek compound word. Um, and it, it means this. It means to be carried along as if you were a passenger on a ship. You're going to be carried along as if you were a passenger on a ship. Or being supported. Again, this is the, the Greek definition, the dictionary definition. Being supported along with speed and force. Now, we talk about the Holy Spirit being inside of us. But that word kind of tells us that we're in the Holy Spirit and he's bringing us along. You see how those two things work together? Not only is he in us, we're in him and he's carrying us along as if we're cargo or a passenger on a ship and we're being carried along with speed and with force. Okay, and so now that helper, I could go further on that, by the way, but let's keep going. Um, That word helper, um, your English translation, this is the NASB 95. Um, But your English translation might use a word like comforter, same verse, comforter, counselor, companion, protector, right? All those things, and we could go a little bit further, there's a couple more too I'm going to talk about here in a second. Um, In the Greek, it's the Greek word uh, parakletos. Try it, parakletos. Parakletos, parakletos, parakletos. I have no idea how much money I pay people to teach me how to say things like this. You're getting it for free. The definition, I think, um, I think about this in two parts, again. Um, there's lots of space, again, for notes today. Um, parakletos means um, to be called to one side. Now, this is the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about this especially. This is um, the Holy Spirit we're talking about here. So the Holy Spirit is called to our side. Okay, a minute ago I said that we're in the Holy Spirit as if we're a cargo and a passenger on a ship being carried away with speed and with force. But now it says that the Holy Spirit has been called to our side. Okay, why is the Holy Spirit called to our side? And I'm, I'm glad you asked that. Why is it? Okay, again, textbook definition of that helper, of parakletos, means, um, means someone that's, that's been called. Okay, let me try it again. One who pleads another's case before the judge. One who pleads someone's case, another one's case before the judge. I can show you, no kidding, we'd be here for a couple hours, but it'd be a fun couple hours. I could show you like eight verses off the top of my head that says that Jesus is the one that's going to be standing there pleading our case in front of a judge. But now, here it says in John 16, in five other places, it says the Holy Spirit. So now that's not there to be a contradiction um, it's here to see that, that, that God the Father, God the Son are actually all interchangeable. They're all the same at the same, at the same time, and then one takes over where the other one leaves off, and, there, and there's no lines, there's no barriers, it's just a bunch of colors and things um, mixing and, and going together. So it's hard to tell where one leaves off, because the one doesn't leave off where the other one picks up. It's the same thing, right? That line doesn't exist. We'll save that again. We'll kick that down the road, that concept down the road for Trinity Sunday, maybe. But you, but you get the idea that, that these things, like I said, these terms are interchangeable, and, and their roles are interchangeable. So the Holy Spirit is our helper, right? He lives inside of us. Now, the Holy Spirit, what does He do? What does He called alongside us do? Well, one of the main things is to be our teacher, okay? I'm sticking in the book of John for, for this morning. John fourteen twenty six says this, But the advocate... Suddenly, you know, parakletos is now the word advocate. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he says, will teach you all things. This is Jesus talking, of course. Will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Now, here it says, whom the Father will send in my name. But Jesus earlier said, I'm going to be the one that sends the Holy Spirit. So again, there's not a contradiction. Those are the lines that kind of get blurred that go through each other. Again, those roles get handed off and accepted with each other. Okay, so the Holy Spirit will teach you. Let's, let's highlight that word, teach you. Okay, every morning, whether we're gathered here uh, in church on Sunday morning, or if we're gathered over in the, in the hearth room on Tuesday morning, or if the youth group is gathered here on Wednesday night, or if the band here is gathered on Thursday night, wherever we are, I'm always praying and thanking the Holy Spirit for gathering us together. Right? That's what he does. He calls, gathers, and enlightens. And so then he says, I'm not only just gathering you together, I'm here to teach you. I'm saying every morning I say it from this spot right here. Teach us what you want us to understand. Clear out the clutter and let us hear your words in a straight line that's with clarity. that's concise. Something that we can bring home and we can understand with us. That's what we're talking about. That he teaches us the things that he wants us to know. And Jesus says that without him, the Bible is just a bunch of words that are laying there on the page. And you don't really grasp them. You don't really gather them. We can look at them almost like I've said before, like we're reading Thoreau or something like that. But we can't digest them. They don't become part of our DNA. They don't become part of who we are from the inside out. So the Holy Spirit gathers us together and he's there to teach us. Ask him to teach us what, we, what we, he wants us to learn. I have one more that I want to show you here. That the Holy Spirit, the parakletos, is our protector. Okay, so we've got a couple of youngins up here. I'm going to have a, a mock and a, an a impromptu uh, children's sermon, so come on up. I've got some good treats up here, so you're going to want to come up here for this. Josh, you can come up, too, if you want. Oh, no, i You can have the treat, anyway. We're using two of my favorite items this morning fire, and balloons. Put this one back here for a second. Okay, so now, hey, great, thanks for coming up. You guys, um, so everybody else, I think, is watching the football game this morning. I got it going on the screen behind you, by the way, so I can watch what's going on. It's going really well. Ooh! It? <laughs> so if you get distracted, you'll know why. Okay, so here's what we're here to talk about this morning. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, something that we don't always talk about, something we don't hear a whole lot about. But believe it or not, that's a piece of God that lives inside of us. When we say to God that we want Him to trust us, or we want to trust in Him, and we want Him as part of our life, He says, I'm going to give you part of the Holy Spirit there in you. Okay, now the Holy Spirit does a lot of things for us. Like I said a second ago, he's our teacher. But what I want to show you this morning is that he is our protector. So I want you to take a look at this balloon. I brought my little friend in here. He looks a little concerned, doesn't he? Yeah, he looks a little sad. I didn't try to make him sad. I tried to make him look concerned. But yeah, he's a little sad. He's not happy, that's for sure, right? Okay, so now we talk about the Holy Spirit being inside of us and being there to protect us. Okay, so if you were a balloon, you'd be afraid of a couple things. Maybe you'd be afraid of sharp objects, right? Or would you be afraid of fire? Yeah, both, right? So, okay, so this is definitely dangerous for a balloon, right? So I've got two balloons up here. I've got one with not a happy smile on his face. It's kind of got a a look look of concern on his face. Um, This person um, does not have the Holy Spirit inside of them. So they're not a follower of God. They're not a follower of Christ. They don't understand what the Holy Spirit is. And then there's dangers in the world, right? There's things that are going to be some trouble in the world. So what do you think is going to happen to this balloon when he gets put into the the fire? Okay, so what what do you think? It's probably going to pop. Now, I don't like destroying balloons, but this is just for demonstration purposes. So this balloon is going to get put in the danger and get put in the... Ah, see? Oh, and it only even blew out the fire. we got to light the fire again. Okay, so that didn't work out so great. Now you know why he had that kind of look on his face. Okay, now this person, though, this person is a follower of God. This person does have the Holy Spirit inside of him. So the Holy Spirit is here to protect us. Yeah, I'm going to give it up in a second. The Holy Spirit is here to protect us. So there's danger in the world. There's things that happen. There's, you know, there's things around every corner that can hurt us. But if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, the Holy Spirit is our protector. Bang! i ah, just kidding. The Holy Spirit is our protector. Now, you can do this with your friends. You can teach your friends this. You know what the difference between these two balloons was? This one has water in it. You know why we have water in it for this demonstration? Sometimes the Holy Spirit is described as being water. That's what Jesus said. You will have the, the water of life running through you. And when we have that, all of a sudden some of the dangers in the world don't seem like that big of a deal. We don't end up getting popped. Yeah, we get marked up. The world's going to mark us up. But you know what? We're still okay because we put our trust in Jesus. So now, let me blow this out. Now, here's what we're going to do. So we all should have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Part of that is accepting Jesus what we say into our hearts, asking Jesus into our lives. So if we haven't done that already, we're going to say a prayer and congregation I'd like you to join in on this. So fold your hands, bow your heads, repeat after me. I'm sorry, repeat after me. After me. Okay, sir, so we're going to pray this. We're going to say these words. Just say you say these words. Dear Jesus, I need you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me eternal life. I open my heart to you. Take control of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, here, I said I got some good treats. I have Starburst this morning, so rock on some Starburst. And you can zoot back to your parents. I've got one more thing I want to talk about, and then we're going to start wrapping this and landing this plane. Thanks for coming up, you guys. Okay, I want to end this morning with a story. In a quick round of who dis. Who who dis? Look at what he's doing. There's a big hint here. This is almost a gimme. It's a little machine that you tap like this to send messages. So this is Samuel Morris. um, Of course, the inventor of the telegram and uh, Morris Morris Code, of course. He was asked in an interview one time if... uh, During his experiments, if he ever kind of got like a writer's block kind of thing, if he ever got stuck or came to a standstill and he didn't know what to do next. And his answer might surprise you. It surprised me. His answer was, of course, yes. I mean, he said every scientist does come to that point where they get stuck. They don't know what to do next. He said, here's the difference between me and other scientists. He said he prayed to God for more light, is what he said. He prayed for more light. And he said that God would usually and almost always give that light to him. He would know what to do next. And then he said this, he said that's why he never felt right about taking um, credit or he deserved, that he deserved any credit for um, his inventions or his ideas because he said they came right from God. And In fact, he says, I admit that they come right from God, that those concepts, those ideas were all because of what God was doing in his life. He said it wasn't because he was superior to other scientists. It wasn't because he was the smartest guy in the room or the smartest guy in the class. He said it was because God wanted to give a gift to mankind, and he was very grateful that God chose him to give that gift to mankind through, chose it to reveal it through him. Now, here's the point that every Christian should understand. That prayer, you know, when you open your heart and let Jesus into your life. That same prayer that we just prayed here and that you guys prayed with me, you open our hearts to Christ. Let him into our lives, and then he starts to change things. You tap into that mind of God, and then all of a sudden that protection that we're talking about applies to you. All of a sudden that, you know, that cargo ship, being on that ship and being carried away applies to you. That power applies to you. That power that we can use in our lives to what Samuel Moore said to accomplish great things for God. His power, that dynamite power. When we allow Him into our lives and we tap into that kind of power, your life can change. You can change your family, you can change your workplace. And yes, you can change the world around you. But the real thing happens is when we let Jesus into our lives on a daily basis, he's going to change your life. Amen? Okay, could you stand with me, please?